Sometimes it's good to meditate on the cross. What's the cross mean to you? Probably a lot of different answers out there. Some of you may not know today. I think sometimes we get so easily distracted. I'll be honest, the enemy tried to distract me during worship. God's like, what are you here for? Let's focus on the cross for a minute. When darkness surrounds us, I had him turn the light off. When darkness surrounds us, there's always light when you look to the cross. You know, uh, Alexander Methrell said, the pain was absolutely unbearable. In fact, it was literally beyond words described. They had to invent a new word, excruciating. Literally means out of the cross. John Scott said, before we can begin to see the cross as something done for us, we have to see it as something done by us. I'll be honest, I think we complicate the gospel sometimes. I'll just be honest, especially, you know, I'll admit it, speaking sometimes we try to get so in-depth with all this different stuff, and it's good, it's knowledge we need to know, but... I think sometimes we overlook the simplicity of the gospel. I mean, the fact is, is that God gave us a standard to live by, right? He gave us the Ten Commandments. He said, this is my standard. Live up to it. And the New Testament calls the, the Ten Commandments a tutor. It's a law. The law is to made to show us our sin. And when we, look at the, when we look at the law, it drives us to the cross. See, we can't live up to the standard that God set for us. But the simplicity is that Jesus came on the scene. And he went to the cross for us. He said, repent of your sins. Repent means to actually turn away from your sins. Repent and believe in my name and you shall be saved. The gospel is really pretty simple. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for what you've given us. Let us focus on the cross today, Lord, as, as we dig into the word here. Lord, that we'll remember why we're here. That no distractions will be set in here, Lord God. That the enemy has no place in here. I pray that you would just open hearts to receive this word. Open ears to, to hear this, Lord God. And give us understanding today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to be drinking a lot of water. As of recently, when I've been speaking, I get cotton mouth. It's the worst. I was speaking to youth at Plainview. It was four in the morning. I thought I had a. I thought that was why I got cotton mouth. I couldn't. I'm, I thought, that's what it was like. I was like, I need water. I don't know, but if you see me drink a lot, that's why. Um, is heaven a real place? Yeah. Is hell a real place? You know, as, as um, many stories as there are about people that have gone to heaven and, and seen heaven and, and all these different things. And uh, first off, I think we should test all those stories, make sure they line up with the Bible. But as many stories as there are, we can't discount them. But if you do some research, there's just as many stories about hell. Um, Mark Cahill wrote in a book once where there was a, a nurse and a doctor in a hospital room. And they had the defibrillators. And this man, they were trying to save his life. And they would... You know, shock him, he would come up and he would say, the heat, the heat. He would go back out. They would shock him, he'd come back up and say, the flames, the flames. Like four times, flatlined. The nurse and the doctor just stared at each other. They, didn't, they know what just happened. There's no getting around that one. They, they know where that man just went. Hmm. Today we're going to talk about addition or submission. Addition or submission. We went and saw a movie recently with the youth um, for the Saturday night thing with the Stapletons. First off, I want to tell you guys I appreciate what you do. Every Saturday night they open up their house to bring in youth, people that you never see. They come in from Miamisburg. We've had parents come there. We've seen lives change that come there. It's an amazing thing, but we went to a movie that week. It's called A Matter of Faith. A low-budget movie, I'll be honest. I think it's at the Dollar Theater right now. 
Um, but it was a good movie. It was a movie that was based around evolution and creation. Um, but in the midst of the movie, there was one line that really stuck out to, I know, Greg and me and my sister, who's not here today. It really hit us and, and Kayla. There was one line in the movie where there was this girl, she was struggling with her faith. She was wanting to, to kind of get caught up in the world. And then there was this other Christian in the movie, and, and he was very bold in his faith. And he came along finally one day, and, and he finally just had the guts to look at her. And he said, look, some people come to God by making him an addition, and some people come to God by submission. He said, is it about addition or submission? So as we talk today, um, I want you to ask yourself this question. Is it about adding God to your life or submitting your life to God? As we go through this today, this is probably the hardest message I'm, I've ever preached. I'll just be honest. When I was preparing for this message the other day, I sent Greg a text. I'm like, dude, pray for me. I, I've got, I got sermon block. I got nothing. I was like, what is, what is going on here? That, usually the Lord just starts flooding stuff on my heart. And, and I'm like, oh, yeah, let's run with this. you know. And he starts giving me these points. But this one was different. I was getting down to the wire. I'm like, I'm supposed to be speaking Sunday, and I've got you guys are laughing. I wasn't. <laughs> but then finally the Lord kind of released it. And he's like, this, this is where you're going. I'm like, okay. Addition or submission. Can we be honest today? In America, the way that our culture is set up, uh, the way that preaching is set up, all these different things. If you listen to uh, preaching nowadays and you listen to all these different things, like God is going to do so many wonderful things in your life and he's going to bless you and do all these great things for you. And man, who doesn't think that sounds awesome? So a lot of people are like, yeah, I'm going to add that to my life. Addition or Submission. Point number one, we're going to dig in here. I've only got two points today. But point number one is when Jesus is just an addition, he will most likely get subtracted. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. We'll start in verse 3. We're going to be talking about the parable of the sower. Give me some water. Ah, thank you, Vicky. <laughs> Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 through 9. It says, Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. Now, when we're talking about a sower, if anybody in here is a little confused, we're not talking about a lady who was out there sowing clothes, right? We're talking about someone that was laying seed, okay? Throwing a little joke there, got you. Um, and he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of the earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So you can see, usually when Jesus spoke in parables, the disciples themselves were a little bit confused at times. Like, Jesus, come on, man. You're doing it to us again. And I think he was kind of like, really? You're not getting it yet. But he goes on to say, this is a fulfillment, first off. Fulfillment of prophecy spoken in the, in the book of Isaiah. It says, hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. But hearts, um, for the hearts of the people have grown dull. Their ears, hard of hearing, and their eyes have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts in turn, so that I should heal them. It's a matter of spiritual, not physical. But Jesus goes on to, he goes on to answer it for him, right? He goes on to tell him, he goes on to explain what he's talking about here. In verse 3, he says, um, or verse 4, it said, And he, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. So we're going to jump back and forth here a little bit. Matthew 13, verses 18 through 19, Jesus answers this one. He says, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the word by the, by the wayside, or received the seed by the wayside. That one's pretty self-explanatory, right? 
The seed was sown, and they didn't have any understanding. So the enemy comes and just snatches it right away. There's nothing there. But then we go down to verse 5, and it says, Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. Verse 6, But when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root of them, and they withered away. Jesus goes on to answer this one in Matthew 13, verses 20 and 21. He said, But he who received the seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a little while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. I found it interesting that the stony was the place of stumbling. I'll become the chief cornerstone. I found that very interesting as I was reading that. But I like how he puts it in here because he says that they received it with joy. They actually received the word. They were like, yes, this sounds great. I think I want some of this. But the problem is, is they really didn't understand the gospel. They received it with joy, but immediately sprang up and the sun scorched it. See, when hard times came, it wasn't just hard times. I believe that these are the people that usually when hard times come, they seek after God. They're like, God, I need you right now. Something bad's going on. It doesn't say when hard times came. It said when hard times came for the word's sake. When it actually meant walking out the faith with Jesus Christ, that's when they fell. That's when Jesus got subtracted. See, they made Jesus an addition to their life. They received it with joy. They're like, man, this sounds amazing. I mean, who wouldn't want this? Yeah, I'm in. I'm all in. But the problem is, is they're like, wait, I'm not going to walk like that, though. No, no, no. See, I'm not going to do that. I still want to live over here. I still want to be a part of this over here. I will make him an addition to my life. When things get tough, when it comes to walking out the word, well, I'm going to subtract him. Oh, when hard times come, though, guess what happens? God, I need you again. Start to walk, and they're like, no, no, I'm good. Bizzle. You guys know I had to put some rap lyrics in here, right? (laughs) Bizzle. Bizzle's the one that came a couple years ago to the Summer Bash. Who remembers him? Bizzle's an amazing guy. Excuse me. It was really good to get to know him, to really hear his heart. The dude's got some powerful lyrics. One of his songs, he says, We forget about the Lord when the plane's flying. But how fast we remember when the plane's diving. Until it crashes in the Hudson and they survive it, then it's not thank God but praise the pilot. Those who simply make God an addition are only looking for him when they need something. We have to question ourselves. You have to question yourself today. Is that me? You have to. This isn't a message to come down on you, but this is reality here. Is God an addition in your life, or are you submitting to him? Verse 7. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. Matthew 13, 22, he answers this, and he says, Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. To me, this is the biggest one. I love how he puts it in order. The first one, they they didn't understand. The second one, they're kind of like, yay, they receive it with joy. But when it comes to walking to faith, they're like, no. And then I think it gets a little more in-depth each time. And then this one, I believe that these people really wanted it. I believe these people really wanted, they're like, yes, I'm all in. I want some of this. I want some of this. But the problem is they still didn't have a full understanding of the gospel. To me, this is the biggest one. When he talks about the thorns, man, you can just picture so many different things in life. Because what happens is, is we're sinners, right? And then we come over here, and it's a new path But what happens is, is all that old junk that you used to be mixed up in, it still tries to grow up around you. So unless you're rooted in the weed killer over here, that's the only one who can rid of that stuff. 
The thorns are going to come up and choke you out. For some people, I'll be honest, it might be alcohol. You're like, you know what? This whole God thing, it actually sounds pretty good, but I still want this. I still want this. For some of you, it might be drugs. You might have been caught up in that, and you're like, you know what? I do. I want to make him an addition to my life, but this thing keeps coming up keeps coming up your buddies are like hey Hank man you look a little bit different and Hank's like yeah man I've added God to my life and they're like oh you've added God to your life and he's like yeah and they're like Hank but come on man just come take a hit with us and Hank's like oh you know what okay see what happens is in this parable is people are making God an addition to their life but when it comes to actually walking out their faith they got nothing See, if God is simply an addition to your life, one of two things is going to happen. Either he's going to get subtracted or you will. We like to look at a lot of different parts of the word. The Bible says to rightly divide the word. We like to look at all the the good things. Who doesn't like to look at the good things? God's going to bless you. He's going to do this. He's going to do great things in your life. But we neglect the other things. We neglect the part where the Bible says that if you have friendship with the world, that you become what? You're an enemy of God. He said friendship with the world will make you an enemy of God. If we continue to live like the world, you've heard the saying, if you sound like a duck, you walk like a duck, you talk like a duck, you're... If you sound like the world, if you look like the world, if you act like the world, if you talk like the world, if you drink like the world, you do things like the world, if you're walking with the world, guess what? And then you're an enemy of God. Look, I'm not coming here to come down on you today, but this is the reality. This is what the Lord laid on my heart, and I'm going to be obedient, and I'm going to preach it. Look, if you're walking with the world, you're making yourself an enemy of God. How many of you have Facebook in here? Yeah, pretty much everybody. <laughs> I was thinking, I was kind of laughing the other day. I could see the Apostle Paul using Facebook. <laughs> I could. You know, when Paul writes his letters, he's like, brothers, I write to you. I could see him, you know, personal messaging. Paul was, you know, hey, no, I write to you, brother. And instead of Paul being like, hey, I hope to get to see you guys in person soon. I hope to get to come and see you. He'd be like, hey, I hope to get to FaceTime you soon. Hopefully we can tango, can get a little... FaceTime action. Can you see it? That's not where I'm going with this, though. But the thing about Facebook, first off, Facebook has ruined social. They call it social media. I'm like, ah, my buddy Ricky's here today. It's like, I wonder what Ricky's up to. Instead of me calling Ricky and, and trying to see how he actually is, I'm like, let me go creep on Facebook and see what's up. But we go on Facebook, and here's what happens. We look, and we, you can see relationship statuses, and then you see, oh, man, look at this. Billy just added Jesus to his life. And we all celebrate. We're like, yeah, everybody, Billy added Jesus to his life. And then a couple weeks down the road, we see Billy go on Facebook, and Billy's like, man, crazy night last night. Got super hammered. Not feeling so hot today. A brother in Christ goes on like, Billy, I'm praying for you. He's like, need to, man, because I'm not feeling good. Another post later, Billy's like, man, this beeping person, this blank, should have seen this guy, man. He got up in my face. I messed him up. Brother goes on, Billy, I'm praying for you. Billy's like, don't pray for me. Pray for him, man. His face is all messed up. being a little funny but there's a lot of truth here see here's the problem though see a lot of people make it their status (laughs) i've added jesus to my life everybody but the problem is is they don't really post the other stuff but see we serve a god who sees in secret we serve a god who sees the men at home in the dark when their wife's not home who are clicking on the internet and god's like yo what are you doing that's not your wife i know god Thank you, I added you to my life, but 
See, he sees everything that we do. He sees the friendships that we need to let go of. He sees the relationships that are unhealthy. He sees the things that we're doing that we shouldn't be doing. He hears what we're saying when we shouldn't be saying it. He sees the jokes that we laugh at that we probably shouldn't be laughing at. He sees all the things in secret. All of us see the status. He's added Jesus to his life. But God sees it's not about adding. It's about submission. I think the problem is that so many Christians are trying to maintain friendships with the world without a solid foundation in Christ. So you can be a friend with the sinner. That's usually what people come back with. Well, Jesus was friends with sinners. Let me tell you something. He was, but he was also God. He has a little, little bit of advantage on us, you know what I'm saying? But I'm not telling you not to be friends with sinners because we have to be friends with sinners to bring them to the cross. The problem is, is if you continue to be friends with the sin... You know, we did a uh, thing in youth one day. I thought about doing it for real here, but I thought, nah, somebody will get hurt. But we did a thing in youth, and uh, there's a girl who comes from Miamisburg. Her name's Caitlin Unroe. And how much does she weigh? Probably 70 pounds, maybe. She's a tiny, tiny little girl. We put her on a chair over here, and then we got Caven. And Caven, he weighs, uh, I don't know, 300 pounds. Duke can squat over. A 1,000 pounds. He can bench press over 400 pounds. The dude's a beast. I call him my bodyguard. We put him in a chair over here. So we went over to, to Caitlin over here, and we said, you know, Caitlin, you're going to try to pull us up on that chair. <laughs> this is obvious. So one person just, like, pushes her, and she falls off the chair. But then we go to Caven over here, and we go, Caven, you're going to try to pull us up on the chair. Now, if anybody could pull somebody else up there with him, it would be Caven because he's strong as an ox. But guess what? He couldn't pull one person up, and necessarily this person couldn't pull him down, but when a few others came along, he couldn't do it. And the point with that was, is it doesn't matter how weak your faith is or how strong your faith is. If you become friends with the world and you get caught up in the things around you, the weeds will come up and they will choke you out and you will get pulled right back down. Guys, I don't want to be a pastor or a preacher who's responsible for, for number one, two, and three soil. What I mean by that is, is I don't want to be one responsible for telling you a gospel that sets you up for those three things. And if I can be honest, I feel like I have before. I feel like I have before because I've seen somebody come to Christ and we get all excited. See, what happened was they came in and they received him with joy. And then two or three months down the road, I never see him again. It's an issue. I don't want to be responsible for that. See, that's why I'm up here today saying this stuff because it is a reality. You know, in the book of Matthew, it says... That few will take the, the path that leads to righteousness. Few. And it says many will be on the path that leads to destruction. So we look at this. And, and Jesus, it, it says that he's going to look at them when they come there. And there's going to be many people that say, what? Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not do these things? Did I not cast out demons in your name? And he's going to say, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Or depart from me, you who continue to walk in sin. I never knew you. See, it's because we're called to judge people by their fruits, not by their works. of fruit are you showing verse 8 says but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop some a hundredfold some sixty some thirty he who has ears to hear let him hear he answers this one in Matthew 13 23 but he who received the seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it and indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold some sixty some thirty that is submission. 
Point number two is submission produces fruit. That's the difference right there. Is that when you just make Jesus an addition to your life, you're not going to produce any fruit. When it comes to truly walking out the Christian faith, there's not going to be any fruit. Because when the cares of this world come in, and when things get tough, when it comes to actually walking through some tough things in your walk, you're going to get choked out and God's going to get subtracted. But when you submit your life to Christ, when you submit yourself to him, things are different. You produce fruit. I looked up the definition of submission. It says the act or fact of accepting or yielding to a superior force or to the will or authority of another person. How many of you agree agree that it's very tough to submit sometimes? <laughs> it is. I'm glad a female said it. I think men struggle with it more. Pride comes up. See, we like to control our own lives. We like to, to be in control and to have the upper hand. But when you submit to your life to God, you're basically saying, I give up. I'm a sinner. I failed. I can't do it. The way I live my life is wrong. I submit, and I'm going to follow you now. Do you know how hard that is? I don't care who you are. That is a very difficult thing. See, that's often what happens is the people that add him to their life, they don't submit. They add him to their life, but they still want to be in control of their lives. The word says let go and let God submit. Submit yourself to him. Submission produces fruit. This is the part of the message where I'm like, God, what do you want me to say? I had three points, and I realized that if I preached all three points, we'd be here till 1.30. I was like, this isn't going to work. And I'm like, God, you know, there's so many stories I could use here. There's so many things. God, I don't want this to be about me. I want this to be about you. So I'll just say what God put on my heart. Here's often what's preached in America today. <laughs> I've been awa uh, awakened to something here recently, and I've really been paying attention. And I urge you guys to pay attention as well. But listen to, I listen to a lot of, you know, different sermons and things, or I try to. And, and you read different things, and you hear all these different things. And, and, I've, and, I, and I've been realizing that, that we're preaching a gospel that maybe not is not the full gospel. We're preaching a gospel that really sounds good, and people receive it with joy, and they come in and they're like, yes, this sounds great, but the problem is, when it actually comes time for their walk, they have no clue what they're doing. You turn on the TV and you hear so many pastors saying, God wants to do these great things in your life. He wants to bless you. Oh, you got problems? He'll take them all away. And I had to step back, and I'm like, is that the truth? Is that the truth? Do you think that when the Apostle Paul turned his life to God, that they were like, Paul, I know you've been killing Christians, but let me tell you about a God who wants to do great things for you all the time. You're not going to have any worries, Paul. You're not going to have any problems, Paul. No, Paul was told, you're going to have to be persecuted for my name. You're going to have to suffer for me. You kill Christians and you persecuted them and you imprisoned them. Paul, submit your life to me because now you are about to go through that same exact thing. Guess what? Paul didn't argue. Paul didn't flee from it. Paul didn't run from it. Paul realized that he was a sinner in need of a savior and he had failed. And he said, I submit. I submit. Look, I'm not here to tell you that God's not going to bless you because I believe he can in every way possible. And I'm not going to tell you that God can't deliver you from situations. 
But the fact of the matter is, is that the Bible says that we will be persecuted and we will go through trials and we will go through tribulations. And the problem is that so much of the gospel that's being preached is that it's a Jesus that just wants to make all things great. And the fact is, is that that's not it. We complicate the gospel. The gospel is is that we're sinners deserving of hell. And we can never forget that. Because immediately when we forget that, we start to want to serve ourselves because we think that we actually deserve something. Look, I'm here to tell you that we don't deserve anything. It's by grace. It's all by grace. But grace is not a freedom to sin. Grace is not a freedom to stay where you are. Grace is an empowerment that says, look, you can overcome this by me. You couldn't do it by yourself. But with me, now you can do it. (laughs) You think they preach that in other countries? I started questioning the other day. I'm like, how many lukewarm Christians do you see in other countries? You know, we see in other countries where literally people's heads are being chopped off. We have warnings pointed at us saying, it's coming to you. Oh, but we're free over here, right? Nothing's ever going to come to us. We got warnings that said, look, it's coming for you. And that scares me because I'm looking at the body of Christ and I'm like, oh my goodness, are we prepared for this? Are we prepared for this? See, when you've added God to your life, in those times, he'll be subtracted. But if you submit God to your life, he'll bring you through it. I love the story of Peter, too. (laughs) Peter was an awesome guy. I think Peter would have been fun to hang around. Kind of the crazy one of the bunch. Peter's the one that immediately ran out of the boat and tried to walk on water. He did walk on water. There's so many aspects of that story we can look at, but the fact is, is that Peter got to walk on water, man. Yeah, he fell. He took his eyes off Jesus for a minute. Shows the grace of God, and he picked him right back up. But Peter walked on water. Everybody else was in the boat scared to death, but Peter's like, that's you, Jesus. Wow. (laughs) Dude walked on water. He took his eyes off, and he's like, oh, Jesus, help me. I love how it happens in the word, though. Jesus comes on the scene, and he's saying repent, right? We got we to always remember that. We got to remember repentance because that's crucial. Turn away from your sin. John came on the scene. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus comes on the scene. He's like, yo, the kingdom's here. Repent. They all heard the message. And then he goes up to some fishermen in a boat. And it mentions Peter by name. And he goes up and he looks at Peter. And you know that the whole word was there. Peter was like, this is it. We got to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he came to Peter. And he's like, Peter, you guys... Follow me. See, in addition to their lives would have been like, cool, we believe in you. We're going to keep fishing. No, immediately there was submission there. I love it because it says immediately they got out of the boat. There was no hesitation. (laughs) They were like, yo, this is Jesus. So immediately they got out of the boat and they followed him. I love it because there was submission. And then you looked. I'm not going to go through all the stories because we'd be here all day. But you look throughout the the, the Bible and read the stories of Peter. Read the fruit that was produced in his life. But the one thing I love about the story of Peter is sometimes that we get all nervous and we're like, but what if I fail? See, what I'm saying here today is when you submit, I'm not saying that you're never going to fail. We're imperfect people. But it's what happens after you fail is the key. See, Peter failed. Peter failed pretty big. He was the one that was all, his pride got in the way, and he's like, Jesus, I don't care what you say, man. I know you're pretty smart. You seem to know quite a bit. But I don't even care if they kill me, dude. I'll die for you. I'll never deny you. Jesus is like, Peter, pride comes before the fall, buddy. You're going to deny me three times. Peter's like, no. Guess what? come along and they're like oh 
Aren't you that guy that was with Jesus? What are you talking about? Mm-mm. Second time, aren't you that guy that was with Jesus? What? <laughs> no. Mm, you must have another guy. I look like some people. Third time comes along, they're like, yo, you're that guy that was with Jesus. And this time he starts cussing at him. He's like, would you guys just shut up? That's not me. Then he sees Jesus. Can you imagine the feeling that he had? See, what happened is, is yes, he failed. He failed miserably at a crucial time in his life. He failed miserably. But it's what happened after that because it says, and you know that there was repentance in Peter's heart because immediately he felt miserable. Miserable. But here's the beautiful thing about the gospel is that when you fail, he is there to pick you back up. Where did Peter go? Jesus comes back on the scene, right? He dies. He resurrects three days later. He comes back on the scene, and Peter and his men went back to the place where Jesus had called them from. I love the story because he's back in the boat where Jesus had just called him from earlier. He's back in the boat now. But we serve a God who seeks after us. We serve a God who says, you know what? You may have failed, but I'll still come after you. I called you out of the boat once, Peter. I'll call you out again. I love how it ends. I love how the story begins because he goes to Peter. He says, follow me. And Peter submits and follows him. Peter fails miserably, feels guilty. He repents. You can tell that he is really, he really, really wants to make things right with God. He wants this relationship to be good. He's back in his boat. And Jesus comes up to him and he asks him not once, not twice, but three times, just like he denied him. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, God, you know I love you. Peter, do you love me? God, you know I love you. Seriously, Peter, do you love me? Peter's starting to get a little frustrated. He's like, God, you know I love you. And guess what he says to Peter? Follow me. (laughs) We complicate things so much. Follow me. Look, when you're following after the cross, when you're following after Jesus Christ, look, it's really that simple. When you're living a life where you're seeking after him, where you're digging in his word, where you're reading about who he was and what he wants for your life and what his will is for you, and you're reading about how it tells you to live, and when you see how he lived, and when you seek after Jesus, guess what? All the things that are trying to hold you back, that are trying to scorch you, that are trying to snatch that seed, All the weeds that are trying to grow around you and get you, guess what? When you're walking with Jesus, they can't touch you. And there may be something along your path that comes and makes you stumble. You may deny him. You may do something you know you shouldn't do, but you don't keep walking in that. You ask forgiveness and you seek after him, and guess what he said? He doesn't say, Peter, stay in the boat. You're grounded. I don't want you right now, Peter. No, he says, Peter, if you love me, let's go. Tend to my flock. Come on, Peter, just follow me. Goes on again, says, they talk about another thing. He says, look, don't worry about that. If that's what I want for that person, don't worry about that. But you, Peter, individually, you submit to me and you follow me. Guess what? Next time you read through Peter... Read some of those verses picturing Peter denying Jesus and see how his heart changed. See the fruit that was produced. Guys, we we got to understand that the gospel isn't just that everything's going to be peachy. The gospel isn't that everything's going to be great and all my worries are gone and everything's taken care of and that I'm not going to have to worry about anything. Look, as you think about the stories in the Bible, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They submitted to God. They had an opportunity to just make him an addition and bow before another God, but they didn't do that. See, they submitted to God, and guess what? They had to actually go in the fire. It wasn't the peachy, peachy gospel where they're like, oh, we avoided the fire. No, they literally had to go in the fire. But this is the amazing thing about the God we serve is because Jesus went through the fire with them. See, 
I can't tell you that you're not going to have any issues. But what I can tell you is that when you submit your life to God, I promise you that he will go through it with you. I can't promise that you won't have deaths around you, sickness around you, problems around you, financial problems, all these different things. I can't promise you that all that stuff is going to go away. But what I can promise you is this, is that when you submit your life to God, when you submit to Christ, he'll go through it with you. And that's what gives us the strength in our weakness to sustain and walk through it. David didn't avoid the fight with the giant. If he did, they would have been defeated and there wouldn't be any David. Guess what? David stood up to the, to the fight. He actually had to go through the fight. But God was there with him and he defeated him. Daniel, he actually had to go in the lion's den. But God was in the midst of it with him, delivered him from it. Paul actually had to be imprisoned. Paul. Paul's like, rejoice in the Lord always. I'm in chains. I'm in chains, literally in chains, rejoicing. And you guys are complaining about silly stuff. I look at the life of all the disciples, man. I look at the life of Stephen. Stephen was the first martyr we see in the Bible Stephen submitted his life to God, and Stephen's going down the road, and he's preaching the gospel. Look, he wasn't ashamed to preach the gospel. He didn't keep it in. He was telling people about Jesus, and they didn't like what they were hearing, so they started picking up stones, and they were stoning him. And Peter, or, uh, Stephen's, his cry wasn't that, that he would have justice. You see that so much anymore. We're like, oh, well, the world doesn't like us Christians anymore. Well, wake up. They didn't then either. You see so often, like, well, let's call the police. Let's get justice. Let's get a lawyer. Let's stand up for ourselves. Stephen was like, no, I'm going to preach the gospel. And even when they're stoning me, he cries out and he says, Lord, don't hold this against them. They don't know what they're doing. His cry was not for justice for himself, but for salvation for them. Who does that sound like? Jesus. Jesus was on the cross and he was dying there, brutally dying. You got to think that every nail that was going, every hammer that was hitting those nails was our sin putting him up there. He's surrounded by people that are spitting on him, cussing at him, making fun of him. He looks down, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. When you walk with Jesus, you begin to act like Jesus. Stephen was stoned to death for the gospel. Philip was crucified. Matthew was beheaded. John was abandoned. Barnabas was burned to death. Mark was dragged to death. James was clubbed to death. Paul was beheaded. Peter was crucified. Andrew was crucified. Thomas was speared to death. And Luke was hanged. We're preaching the gospel about all these peachy, peachy things. Every example that we read about, that we preach about, that we teach about. That's submission. I'm not saying you guys are going to have to get beheaded, but what I'm saying is, is when trials come your way, when things come your way, first off, you're not going to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ because he's not an addition. It's submission, and this is your life now. It's not to say that you can't still enjoy things of this world. See, it's really simple. He says, if you seek ye first the kingdom of God, if you seek him in all his righteousness, all the things that you truly need will be added to you. That's addition. The godly kind. It's not to say that you're going to be, uh, that you're going to be persecuted to death. I do question, though, what if that comes to America? Are you prepared? Are you ready? But it's to say that when we read about these examples that Every single one of them went to the stake for Christ. In fact, Peter was like, yo, he didn't say, no, you can't do this to me. Peter said, no, I can't die like him. You can't do this to me because I'm not worthy to be hung on a cross like him. Turn mine upside down. I'm not worthy to do the same thing that he did. Guys, there's one thing that the Lord's really been impressing on a lot of people's hearts lately. I know Jackie shared something with the youth uh, a couple Wednesdays ago, and Greg's talked about it on Saturday night, and it's been on my heart, and we've seen some things uh, personally with some surrounding people, but life truly is a vapor here today, gone tomorrow. Look, I urge you that if you're living your life and you're saying that this can, uh, this can wait, that this can wait, stop. 
We've seen a guy in Miamisburg who randomly falls down a set of steps and has brain trauma. Now, guess what? The amazing thing is, is God has healed him. He was in a deep, deep coma, but he started getting up, and he wants to walk. Check that out. That's God. But the fact is that we've seen so many of these things going on around us where people are getting sick or people are hurting and all these different things. Guys, we don't know what tomorrow holds. And if God is simply an addition to your life, I'm telling you that you don't want to leave here today without submitting. Look, you're going to be dead a whole lot longer than you're alive. This life, it's a vapor, but eternity, it's forever. There's a quote by Martin Luther King Jr. He said, uh, Christianity has always insisted that the cross we bear precedes the crown we wear. Let that sink in for a minute, the Christianity has always insisted that the cross we bear precedes the crown we wear. Look, he's got some amazing things in store for us. I believe on this earth. There's nothing more satisfying than when you submit to God and you walk in his will. Because no matter what comes your way, it is an adventure. And you may go through some hellish things here on earth, but with him, you're going to find the peace and the joy through it. But above that, even if we don't experience many great things here on earth, the fact is, is that when we die, he saves us from our sins. He saves us from going to hell, and he says, look, I got a place set up for you in eternity with me, where there is no more suffering, where there is no more pain, where there's joy and peace and happiness in me. <laughs> William Penn said that, no pain, no palm, no thorns, no throne, no gall, no glory, no cross, no crown. If you're here today and you've been living a life that you know you shouldn't be living, or if God's just been an addition in your life, it's time to change. If you've been living a life where we're preaching a gospel to people that isn't really the full gospel, it's time to change. We don't want to be responsible for, for tilling up a soil that's going to receive and then, and, then, and then crash and burn. As Dee plays here for a minute, I just want everybody to bow your heads. Guys, we serve an amazing God. We are a people that truly deserve torment and hell. I know that sounds harsh, but we truly are a people that deserve hell. We fail miserably every day to live up to the standard that God has set before us, but God loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son. It says that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We serve a God who loves us so much that he sent his son to take a punishment on a cross that we deserved died for us why is it so hard for us to live for him if you're here today and you've never never even given your life to Christ if that's you and you're here today and you know you know that it's time you're like man I don't want to go another day I know that it's time for me to submit my life to him if that's you and you've never given your life to Christ and you know that today is the day I just want you to lift your hand Now, if you're here, and Christ has just been an addition to your life, and you know it, and you're ready to go all in. Look, in this end times, I'm telling you that God is looking for a people that are all in. He's not looking for people that are wanting to back down and run and hide when trouble comes. He's looking for a people who are all in, who are willing to submit for him, who are willing to be a martyr for him, no matter what the cost. He's looking for a people that will go the distance for him. If that's you and you're here today and he's simply just been an addition in your life and you know that you've never really truly submitted and you're ready to go all in, I want you to raise your hand right now. There's hands going up everywhere, people that are ready to submit. There's hands going up everywhere, people that are ready to submit.
don't complicate the gospel. When we sin, we repent, and repent literally means to turn away from it. Picture this scenario right here, that you're walking away from the cross. That's how you're living when you're living in sin. But when you repent, you're turning around, you're doing a 180, and you're walking towards the cross. Because when you walk towards the cross, you walk away from the world. In the world, but not of it, guys. Don't complicate the gospel. Follow Jesus. It is time for this church body, and it's time for Christians in America to just simplify it here, and we got to start following Jesus. When he calls, we go. What he says, we do. And when we go through trials and tribulations and problems, we don't give up. We give in to him and let him bring us through it. Father God, I pray over every single person here today, Lord God. I pray that you would begin to stir something in our hearts, Lord God. Lord, I pray that we would not just simply make you an addition that subtracts you from our life when it's convenient for us, Lord God. But I pray that every single person here, Lord, would submit their lives to you, would let go and let you do the work, Lord God. That we would let you lead and where you lead, Lord God, we will follow. Lord, change our hearts. Change our motives, Lord God. Change our focus, Lord God. Lord, when the enemy tries to come in and distract us and make us think about all these crazy things that have nothing to do with the gospel, let us focus on the cross and realize that this is what it's all about. That we can get so caught up in everything else, some things not even a sin, but the, the devil likes to come in and distract us. Lord, I pray that you would just wash that away, that we would focus on the finished work of the cross and we would follow you and submit to you. I pray over this people, Lord God, that you would bless them, that you would watch over them, that you would protect them, Lord God, that you would keep them, Father. Lord, show us where we're wrong. Knock down our pride, Lord God, that we would just seek after you, not ourselves. We praise you, Father.